Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Tom Hartman here with you. The Senate Intelligence Committee and the Senate Rules Committee have been uh, in a joint meeting where they have been interrogating various members of the, really the senior kind of operational forces. I think in Washington, D.C. around January 6th, I think the principal one was the general who is leading Washington, D.C. And one of the things that I found shocking was that when he was asked, this is the general in charge of the D.C. National Guard, when he was asked, what about this phone call? Where at, you know, uh, roughly between 1 and 2 o'clock, you were calling and begging for help. There were two people on that phone call, he said, who said, we shouldn't send help, the optics would be bad. Now, I'm paraphrasing here. I've been looking for a printout or a readout of the actual testimony this morning because I was you know, catching it on the fly, as, as, as were you, and don't have all the specific exact times and proper names of people. But, but basically, he said there were two people on the call who said, we shouldn't send the National Guard because that would look bad. Now, the, keep in mind, this is the same National Guard that was sent for the Black Lives Matter protest back in June and that ringed the Capitol building. He said, no, we shouldn't do it because the optics would look bad. And one of those two people was Charles Flynn, Michael Flynn's brother. Michael Flynn, the guy who, who <laughs> I believe he spoke at the rally on January 6th. He certainly had advised President Trump that he should basically stage a military coup, a military takeover of the United States. And, in fact, the reason why I'm not right now carrying that hearing live is because it's starting to get very repetitious and it's starting to very much get into the weeds. But, but then another witness, one of the other people who was in that kind of senior command there in Washington, D.C., spoke up and made the point that the second person who wasn't Charles Flynn who was with the U.S. Department of Army, when they were begging for help from the National Guard, that person asked him to inform the committee that he was not the guy who used the word optics. Which leaves Charles Flynn. 
Now, am I missing something here? Did you see the same thing that I saw this morning? I was, you know, I was doing show prep. I was, you know, running around here getting ready. There were times that, uh, you know, I missed a, a few little bits of it. But it seems to me like the smoking gun that came out of today, and I, uh, what, what baffles me is why there's not, you know, like a screaming headline at the top of the New York Times about this or the Washington Post, it seems like the screaming headline here is that Michael Flynn's brother said, no, you can't have the National Guard because it wouldn't look good for another four hours. We're, we're just going to hold back. And, I mean, this is, this is pretty, pretty mind-boggling. You had Major General William Walker, William J. Walker. He was the, the leader of the National Guard. He said that the restriction, this letter that, that I've shared with you, I've read it to you on the air. In fact, I read it to Congressman Ro Khan on the air. He hadn't seen it at the time, and he was like, holy cow. Um, uh, not, he didn't literally say that, or, you know, that, that sort of response. He was asked if it was unusual that there would be a letter from the Secretary of Defense saying the National Guard may not help, the National Guard may not provide weaponry, the National Guard may not, you know, just a whole bunch of different things that the National Guard may not do. No, you may not help. Was that a usual thing? Was that a normal thing? And he came right out and he said, no, it wasn't, it wasn't a normal thing. It wasn't a normal thing at all. It wasn't even remotely a normal thing. In fact, here's the letter itself. This is what the Secretary of Defense, Christopher Miller, who is not testifying today. And I would also like to know why he's not testifying. I, you know, I, I, on a couple of different occasions, I heard people say, well, you know, it's unfortunate that we don't have blah de blah Was he subpoenaed? But Christopher Miller wrote this letter to the Secretary of the Army who has ultimate say over the National Guard of Washington, D.C., because the, the D.C. Guard does not have a governor to respond to. The Michigan National Guard, the Oregon National Guard, the, 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 the Texas National I mean, you name it, every National Guard, the, the primary authority to which they respond, even though they are technically federal forces, is the state's governor. There is no governor in Washington, D.C., because Washington, D.C., even though it has a larger population than Vermont or Wyoming, is not a state. And so there was no governor to send in the National Guard. So it falls to the Secretary of the Army and the Secretary of Defense. And the Secretary of Defense, on January 4th, wrote this letter that I am holding here in my hands and says, without my subsequent personal authorization, the District of Columbia National Guard is not authorized the following. And then here are the bullet points. To be issued weapons, ammunition, bayonets, batons, or ballistic projection equipment such as helmets and body armor. Now, why would they want them completely unarmed? Two days before what... I mean, it's not just they're, they're calling this a failure of intelligence, right? That, that's, what, that's what Bush and Cheney tried to call 9-11, a failure of intelligence. When, they were, when George Bush was warned by Bill Clinton as, as he came into office, while Dick Cheney was warned by Al Gore as he came into office, while Condoleezza Rice was warned by Sandy Berger, the National, the, uh, the National Intelligence Advisor, 
when he when when she came into office and Sandy Berger came on this program in 2009 and 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 laid that out said yes this is this is what happened in fact I think it was before 2009 so number one why were they forbidden to have weapons or armor or even uh, head protection equipment like helmets number two you are forbidden to interact physically with protesters Number three, you are forbidden to employ any riot control agents, no tear gas. Number four, you are forbidden to share equipment with law enforcement agencies. Number five, you are forbidden to use intelligence, surveillance, or reconnaissance assets to conduct basically ISR, intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance. Number five, you are forbidden to employ helicopters or other air assets. Number six, you are forbidden to conduct searches, seizures, arrests, or other law enforcement activity. And finally, you are forbidden to seek support from non-D.C. National Guard, National Guard units. You can't call the Maryland National Guard. You can't call the the Virginia. At all times, you will remain under the operational administrative command and control of the commanding general of the DCNG who reports to the Secretary of Defense through the Secretary of the Army. And so for four hours while this coup was going on, they held back. While there was still a chance that Nancy Pelosi could be assassinated and Mike Pence could be hung, and the election could be thrown into chaos, and Donald Trump could proclaim himself president of the world. They held back during the four hours when that could have happened. And it wasn't until 20 minutes after 5, roughly, I think it was 5.19, that finally the Secretary of Defense authorized, well, this, this is when it all got put into action. Apparently the authorization came just a little bit earlier, around four, a little after 4.30, that the Secretary of Defense authorized the Secretary of the Army, who then took his sweet time, about a half hour, to authorize the, the general in charge of the National Guard, that, yeah, you can go help out. And by that time, the Capitol was already starting to empty out. By that time, it was obvious that Trump had failed in his coup attempt. So then they sent them in. This is how I'm reading this. Do you think that I'm wrong in this? Is this? Am I projecting some sort of grand conspiracy theory that isn't here? Give me a reality check, please. This is the Tom Hartman Program. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? We'll be back. Tom Hartman here with you. So again, I I just put this out as a question. What I heard this morning, you know, simple, straightforward. I heard Major General William J. Walker, who is in charge of the D.C. National Guard, say that he was on a phone call with a bunch of people at the Pentagon, and they said, and two of them said that it wouldn't be, he said, he said the top, two top Army generals, Lieutenant General Walter E. Piatt, P-I-A-T-T, and Lieutenant General Charles Flynn, the brother of Michael Flynn, here's exactly what he said. I find, you know, the Washington Post just published part of his testimony. Quote, They both said it wouldn't be in their best military advice to advise the Secretary of the Army to have uniformed guard members at the Capitol during the election confirmation, explaining that he, like officials on the call from the D.C. government and the Capitol Police, were frustrated by those comments. Walker, who was added to the slate of witnesses only this week, said top Army generals, Lieutenant General Walter Piott 
And Lieutenant General Charles Flynn, the brother of former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, expressed concerns about the optics of sending the Guard to the Capitol on the afternoon of the riot. And then later in the testimony, I'm not finding it here in this Washington Post story, so I can't tell you which person said it, but one of the witnesses kind of jumped in and said, Lieutenant General Walter Piott uh, told me, and once it made clear here, and I, again, I'm paraphrasing from memory, that he was not concerned about the optics. That was not his phrase. Which leaves Charles Flynn, Mike Flynn's brother. Mike Flynn, the QAnon guy, the guy who swore loyalty to QAnon on a YouTube video, who took the QAnon oath. Mike Flynn, the guy who advised Donald Trump that he should, that he should uh, have the military federalize Georgia and Wisconsin and Michigan and, and Pennsylvania and, and Arizona and shut down their ability to count their votes and have the military supervise another election in those states a few months down the road. That was General Flynn's explicit, explicit suggestion to Donald Trump. And here's his brother, while we're all watching on television as the Capitol is being stormed. It's not like this guy didn't know what was going on. While we're watching on television, as the Capitol is being stormed, the brother of Mike Flynn is on this phone call telling the general in charge of the National Guard, sorry, wouldn't look good. Bad optics, uh, General Walker. I'm sorry. It would just it just would be bad optics. We cannot we cannot do that. I mean, tell me what I'm missing here. This seems like a like this sounds like a conspiracy. I, mean, I don't know how to say it other than that. It sounds it, it, this is increasingly looking to me. Like people around Donald Trump and perhaps Donald Trump himself, in the weeks after he lost the election and started telling his big lie that he actually won the election and it was stolen from him by corrupt officials like Brad Raffsenperger, the Republican Secretary of State of Georgia, when he started telling these lies, They set this date, January 6th, the date that Congress was going to certify the election, as the day that the last chance to blow this thing up. And Trump tweeted out, hey, come to, come to, come to D.C. on January 6th. He raised the prices at the Trump Hotel dramatically. It was like 5000 bucks for the last room they had. Raised the, raised the room rates. They knew a crowd was coming. Ginny Thomas, the wife of, of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, and her group put on this rally. And Trump and, and Roger Stone and his buddies basically hijacked it into a Save the Steel, Ali Alexander and all these other guys, into a Save the Steel rally. And Trump said, I'm going to go with you. We're going to march to the Capitol. And surprise, surprise, they march to the Capitol and take it over. And it's not like this was done in secret. But you have General Flynn's brother refusing to advise the Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of the Army that they should send the National Guard now. 
while there's still a chance that Pelosi and Flint and, uh, and, and Pence could be murdered, and the election could then be thrown to the House of Representatives, where Donald Trump would win. I mean, this, I, I think we're seeing the skeleton of the coup here. And it's so, it, 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 I mean, it's just so obvious to me. What am I missing? Or are you coming to the same conclusion? Or did I miss some critical part of the testimony that completely blows up that theory? What's going on here? To the Tom Hartman program. I will pick up your phone calls right after the break. Boy, this is just amazing. Just amazing. Anyhow, uh, picking up your phone calls. What do you, what do you think about this? Lawrence in uh, Magdalena, New Mexico. Hey, Lawrence, what's on your mind today? Yeah, Tom, hi. I wanted to uh, get some clarity from you, if I could. If we sure. look at the, uh, the rally that was organized by Judge Thomas's uh, wife, that group, I'm assuming they had to secure a permit to do that. They did, and the permit explicitly said that they could not leave the area where they on the ellipse where they were holding the rally. Exactly, and to that point, I'm just wondering because had they secured a permit to march, then the security around the Capitol would have been bolstered. They would have brought in more and more manpower. Well, it would depend on whether they saw it as a threat. I mean, you know, when when Black Lives Matter was was marching in D.C., they, I, my my best recollection, I may be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure they did not have a marching permit. And okay. uh, just like you know, just like the people who marched on the Capitol in January didn't have a marching permit, but the National Guard was out. I don't know if you've seen the pictures, but the entire yeah. Capitol building was ringed with with National Guard officers holding these plastic shields, literally person to person. I mean, it was a continuous wall all the way around, and then dozens and dozens of them going up the steps, and they were heavily armed. And that was because, oh my God, black people are walking by on the street. Well, let me ask you this. So do you think this thing lands in the lap of uh, General Flynn and the acting defense secretary? Right? I do. Square in and, and Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump, and now again, this is just my opinion, but I'm basing it on all the evidence I've seen, and I've seen no evidence that contradicts this. And that's why I keep saying, if I'm missing something, please tell me. But it looks mm. to me like Donald Trump and that little merry band that got together on January 5th, the night before at the Trump Hotel, including Senator Tuberville and Don Jr. and you know some of the other, and I'm, I'm not, I don't recall if Michael Flynn was there or not, but basically this little group, they planned to have essentially a riot on January 6th that would lead to the assassination of Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi. And with the senior leadership of both the executive and congressional branches decapitated, and perhaps even they were looking for Mitch McConnell, who knows, but really what they needed was the House. Because the Constitution says that the House of Representatives, you know, that, that if there's any kind of weirdness or dispute or whatever, I mean, this is all in the, in the 12th Amendment, any kind of weirdness or dispute about the electoral vote, it simply goes to the House of Representatives. Each state has one vote, and you've got, you know, 32 uh, states that, who's, who, whose uh, uh, congressional delegations are Republican-dominated. It goes to the House of Representatives. Each state has one vote, and that vote would have gone for Donald Trump. Donald Trump would have been made president. 
president. And, and, and he could have also declared a state of emergency and started suspending habeas corpus. There's precedent for that. Abraham Lincoln did it, basically suspending mm -hmm. large parts of the Constitution. So I think that they were planning, and I think that uh, my personal opinion is that Donald Trump had knowledge of this. And if he didn't have knowledge, it was, you know, the way mob bosses work. It was the deniable knowledge. You know, don't tell me the details, but wink, wink, we all know, right? That they were going to try and kill Pence and they were going to try and kill Pelosi and throw this thing into such chaos that the election would be thrown to the House of Representatives where the good Republican, these good loyal Republicans would give it to Donald Trump. And they held back the National Guard so that could happen. And they did not allow the National Guard. And, and by the way, Chris Miller, the guy that he put in charge of the Department of Defense, who has to authorize the mm -hmm. National Guard, and two days earlier put out this memo saying, no, you may not go there and you may not help the Capitol Police under any circumstances unless I say so. That Chris Miller right. was not made acting uh, Secretary of Defense until after Donald Trump had lost the election. That's so right. I believe that Chris Miller was put in this position for this job to hold back the defenses so that the thugs and this organized armed band of white supremacist groups that, that have been coordinating with Trump all through his presidency, that they could go in and decapitate the senior leadership of the United States government in the elected branches, in the executive and, and legislative branch, throw the election to the House, make Donald Trump president for life. And when the Capitol Police and the city of D.C. started begging the Pentagon to please authorize the D.C. National Guard to come in and stop this. Michael Flynn's brother said, no, it wouldn't look good. It would be bad optics. And they held back on any kind of protection for four and a half hours until it was obvious that Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi had not been killed and therefore their plan had failed. And at that point, they said, OK, fine, we'll let them go in. That's my take on it, Lawrence. Sorry, sorry about the rant. Well, but back to you. Well, no, no, no. That's that. That's good. And, I, and thank you for thank you for the clarity. And thank you for your time. Okay. Thank you, Lawrence. Good to hear from All you, right. and, and uh, appreciate it. Rudy in Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, Rudy, what's up? Hey, Tom. Well, that was a a hell of a breakdown, and and it's true. So the question that I pose: Can this cancer be cut out? Are we too far down? The role with these people in this white supremacy deal, can democracy still um, be saved? I mean, can we can we cut this this ideology out? Because, like you said, they almost pulled it off. They they almost yeah. pulled it off. Yeah, they so, were within I probably mean, twenty minutes of it. If right. the Capitol Police had not been able to hold that crowd back as long as they did. If that crowd had broken into the floor of the Capitol right. building 20 minutes earlier, Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi would be dead. And Trump so, would be president right now. Right. So, I, I mean, I mean, do we have the people in place? Or do we have the courage? I mean, because I don't know the wording. I mean, because we've turned a blind eye to so much in this country. And um, if we turn oh, a yeah. blind eye to this right here, we're going to pay for it. Yeah. This time, next time we, by the way, Rudy, uh, let me speak mm -hmm. for myself here. The right. we who have been turning the blind eye for 250 years are white people in this country who are perfectly happy being at the, at the top of the heap. And as long as the right. system principally provides uh, us white people with, with the white privilege that we've had, um, we don't pretty much, you know, broadly speaking, I'm not speaking for myself, but I think speaking for, you know, certainly the, the, the majority the, the of white voters in the Republican right. Party, 
you know, they're just fine with it. And, and, and they don't care what form of government you have. Uh, you know, fascism, yeah, no problem. You, you put brown children in cages, yeah, as long as they're not white kids, no problem. Uh, you know, stop immigration from other countries. Well, you know, not European countries, but hey, those asshole countries, yeah, of course, we're going to stop immigration. I mean, this, the underbelly of this entire thing is and has been since the founding of our republic, white supremacy, white domination, white power, period, full stop. And, and, the, and the stormtroopers, the shock troops that Donald Trump brought into the Capitol building on January 6th, and he brought them in, make no mistake about it. He, he tweeted about it multiple times. He was promoting memes on this. He was promoting it on Facebook as well as Twitter, was January 6th, ring, bringing those folks in, he told them to stand back and stand by, and this is what they were standing by for, was January 6th, and, and they showed up. And, and what did they do? Talk to the black police officers. They started calling them racial slurs and pounding on them. I mean, it, it's, it's, yeah, so, so do you, in answer to your question, Rudy, have we gone too far? I don't think we have. I think we are in the birth pains right now. You know, the baby's not out yet. But I, we are going through a process that is either going to flip this country into, probably over a relatively short period of time, less than a generation, but it will flip us into a white supremacist fascist nation, or we are going to return to democracy and we're going to put these, these fascists in, the, in a bottle. And the next year is probably going to tell. Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. And frankly, in my opinion, one of the things that it's all going to hang on is whether we can end the filibuster so that Democrats can get something done like H.R. 1 that guarantees the right to vote for everybody. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity. And what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash 
You're listening to Tom Hartman. Let's see here. Chris in San Diego uh, watches on Facebook. Hey, Chris, what's up? Hey, Tom. When I first called, I was going to agree, of course, this is a conspiracy. And then I looked it up. No, it wasn't a conspiracy. Conspiracy is a secret plan to do harm. There was nothing secret about this at all. He had been, as you said, tweeting it. He'd been marching it. Stand back and stand by. He's been building this since way before the election, knowing he was going to lose it. And here's the thing. It's continuing. This hasn't ended. We still have members of Congress, and they're saying that he did lose the ele- or didn't lose the election. It is continuing. He was the lead speaker at CPAC. They are not going to give up their power, period. They are going to fight. That is the one thing you got to give Republicans, man. For 40 years, it's been the law of the land, uh, Roe v. Wade. They didn't give up on that. They just keep pushing until they get what they Well, same want. with Brown v. Board. Look at what came out of Brown v. Board. You know, uh, Prince George's County shut down their schools for a year. Large chunks of Maryland shut down their schools. Large chunks of Virginia sh- shut down their schools. Jerry Falwell started an all-white university or, you know, school. I mean, it, as I recall, it's just, you know... <laughs> Absolutely. This has been going on since 1954. Hell, this has been going on since 1856, 1856, 65. Yes. Yes. They are fighting. The, the fact that the uh, Confederate flag was in all of the state capitals and, you know, part of their um, their own state flag. They're saying we are not going to give up on that. We are going. We again. They stormed the damn capital. <laughs> they they yeah. committed I am, an insurrection. I am. And we are still I am, I am, not uh, right now. We've got to be fighting and we've got to be the, banging on the door. The, the Republicans understand that you, it's the media which controls things. Who get, Passing laws, that's nothing. You pass the law, so what? We'll change the Supreme Court so that they say that that law isn't valid. That's what they do. They don't care. They don't have to pass laws. Oh, you guys are going to uh, win elections? Well, we're going to keep you from voting. We're going to pass laws. Yeah. To, we're going to gerrymander. We have got. No, I get it, Chris. Uh, Chris, we're we, we're just down to a, to about a minute before we hit a hard break yeah. here. I just want to um, argue with you about one thing. You said it's not a conspiracy. Okay. I think that there is a conspiracy within the plan. Let's let's agree that everything Trump was tweeting was the plan, right? In other words, it wasn't. Yeah. It was totally public. But I believe that yeah. there was a private conspiracy inside that that involved several of these so-called militia groups, uh, probably 100%. principally among them the Oath Keepers, uh, but, but apparently also the Proud Boys. And this is just based on the, on the public reporting that I'm seeing, who actually yes, were that. probably going to be the tip of the spear. They were probably going to be the people. They were probably the people. I, I, again, we don't know yet. But I'm guessing that somewhere there was, maybe maybe it wasn't one of those two groups that I named, but somewhere in there, there was a group that was responsible for killing Mike Pence and killing Nancy Pelosi. I agree with that. Yes, yes. I I was just saying that openly, you know, they they were driving this. But 100%. Right. Yes, is there a deep But I think there was a murderous conspiracy within within the plan. I really do. Yes. Chris, thanks for the call. I got to run, but thank you very much for the call. It's good to hear from you here on the Tom Harbin program. Taking back the uh, mainstream media three hours a day, six days a week. Stick around. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. So let me just say this very, very clearly one more time. And what it looks to me like happened was that there was a public plan for a January 6th rally that uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas's wife helped organize, her, or her group helped organize. Within that public plan, there was a secret plan, a conspiracy, that involved senior people in the Trump administration or people close to senior people in the Trump administration. In other words, the Mike Flynn's, the Roger Stone's, not necessarily those guys, but that kind of person, the people who had had power in the administration, but now were just like personal friends of Donald's. And they were working with some of these so-called militia groups who had the specific job, not of occupying the Capitol, but of doing one of two things and possibly both. Number one, stealing the ballots. Remember, there were people on the floor of the House shouting, where are the ballots? Steal the ballots to throw the, the election, the Electoral College vote into question so that under Article 12, uh, Amendment 12 of the Constitution, it would go to the House of Representatives, which is majority Republican controlled. Um, on a state-by-state basis. Each state gets one vote, and therefore Donald Trump would have been elected president. Or, or possibly and, assassinate Mike, uh, Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi, which would have the same effect. It would throw the whole thing into chaos and might throw the election then to the House of Representatives, which would make Donald Trump president. For three hours, as this plan was being executed, and frankly, I think that there was a final pre-planning meeting the night before on January 5th at Trump Tower in Donald Trump's private, private suite. And we're pretty sure that Senator Tuberville was there and others, and you know, you can just Google all this. This is all public record stuff. So you had this public plan of, hey, we're going to have a meeting. We're going to have a rally. We're going to march from the rally to the Capitol building. We're going to occupy the Capitol building. We're going to disrupt the count. Within that, there was a smaller conspiracy to actually assassinate Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi. And, and thus, and, and steal the ballots and thus throw the election to Donald Trump. For three hours while this conspiracy was playing out, Christopher Miller, the guy that Donald Trump put in as the acting Secretary of Defense after he lost the election, refused for three or four hours to allow the National Guard to go in and help the Capitol Police. And it wasn't until it was obvious that Mike Pence was not dead, that Nancy Pelosi was not dead, and that those, those young women had, had succeeded in getting the ballots off the floor of the House and into a locked room. It wasn't until it was obvious that this conspiracy had failed that they allowed this, the, the, uh, the, uh, the National Guard to show up and start emptying out the Capitol building. And even then, there was no effort to arrest all the people who were there. Tell me I'm crazy. Uli in Teaneck, New Jersey. Hey, Uli. Thoughts? Hello, Tom. Mirgates. Um, Mirgates is, is gut. Der geht es gut, gut. Das freut mich. Um, I have the uh, website of the District of Columbia National Guard in front of me, and it says, 
I don't want to read the whole thing, just the important sense. It says, as such, the commanding general of the D.C. National Guard is subordinate solely to the president of the United States. Correct, because there's no governor. So I don't understand why the president is not being responsible, help responsible for uh, Ultimately, he should be, Uli. You're absolutely right. He delegated that responsibility to the guy that he appointed after he lost the election as the Secretary of Defense, Chris Miller. And why the hell Chris Miller hasn't been subpoenaed and isn't in this, you know, isn't testifying in this is completely beyond me because it looks like he was the point man in holding back the military long enough for this conspiracy to work. And only when it failed did Chris Miller say, okay, go. Unbelievable. Uh, I, okay. I, well, that's 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 the problem, Uli. I, it's not unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it's a, I can't yeah, find I evidence I mean, that contradicts know, it. The way I'm saying it, I know that's all for it. Yeah, no. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, they're saying, oh, it was an intelligence failure. And, you know, they said yeah, that after sure. 9/11. Oh, who? You know, remember Condoleezza Rice? Who could have imagined somebody hijacking planes and flying them into buildings? That's the same <laughs> Condoleezza Rice who who took yeah. when when uh, when President Bush was in Italy for a G7 meeting or a G8 meeting or whatever it was back then. They moved him out of a hotel and onto an air traffic carrier because they have credible intelligence that Al-Qaeda was going to hijack an airplane and crash it into the hotel he was staying in. And here she is saying, oh, who could have imagined? Uh, It's like, intelligence failure? No, I'm not buying it. Uli, thanks for the call. We'll continue this conversation. What am I missing? Am I in total la-la land here? You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. We're kind of letting it all hang out today, uh, airing our uh, concerns about what's going on. I've been talking about the assault on the Capitol, and I'm going to get back to that in just a second. But there's another assault happening. Uh, Yesterday, two states, including Texas, I believe Louisiana was the other one. Maybe it was Alabama. But uh, Texas uh, Governor Greg Abbott said uh, 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 said uh, no more mass mandates. Everything is open. Texas is back to business. Texas is experiencing a surge in coronavirus cases right now. The there are several variants: the South African variant, the the British variant, um, that are more contagious and more deadly are now circulating in America. They now represent about 10% of all the COVID cases in the country. We're getting around 60,000 cases a day, excuse me, being diagnosed. And and Texas, and, and Greg Abbott says, well, you know, let's just open the doors. Why? Is he doing this because all of a sudden the numbers nationally are looking good and Joe Biden's popularity is going up as a result of it and he's willing to kill people in Texas in order to make Joe Biden's numbers look bad? Now that's a conspiracy theory. That's where, you know, that could be a real stretch, Hartman. It's just that he's an ass and a fool. Or it's just that he's taking money from big businesses that want to open back up because they're tired of not having customers and they don't care how many people die. Or it's just that he's, you know, uh, you know, a, a total committed white supremacist and, uh, you know, he's getting vaccines to older white people right now. But, uh, you know, hey, if this, va- if this disease rips through black and brown communities in Texas, that's fine with him. I mean, those are all possible answers, too. 
But why? Why is Greg Abbott saying, yeah, we're, we're no more mask mandate in Texas. Go out and get sick. When about 30% of all the people who don't even get serious cases end up with long haul, this long, long haul syndrome. And then you ask the question, okay, so you got that. And then we've got this, this thing at the Capitol building where there was this, cons- this meeting on the evening of January 5th in Trump Tower. I want to know what the hell happened in that meeting. While the Capitol was under assault at, that we were all watching on national television, while the Capitol was under assault, Trump's guy, Rudy Giuliani, was calling Senator Tommy Tuberville, accidentally got Senator Mike Lee, and saying, hey, keep postponing the vote. We're going to stage a coup. We're going to make sure that Donald Trump stays in office another four years. We're going to pull this thing off. Kevin McCarthy is calling and asking for help and, and, and from Donald Trump himself, from the president, while the Capitol's under assault. And the president, who is the ultimate authority, he's, the, he's got command over the D.C. National Guard, had delegated that command to Chris Miller, his, the guy that he put in charge as acting secretary of defense, uh, just a day or two after he lost the election. I believe it was November 9th. So just follow this. I mean, this, is, this, isn't, this shouldn't be particularly confusing. Donald Trump loses the election. He replaces the Secretary of Defense with his, with his one, you know, hand-picked guy. Mike Flynn's brother in the Pentagon gets put into the chain of command that's going to decide when and how the, by the, the National Guard is used in Washington, D.C. Donald Trump calls for a rally on January 6th. The wife of the Supreme Court Justice Thomas Clarence, Clarence and her organization help organize this thing and pay for buses to bring people to their rally. Tens of thousands of people show up for the rally. Maybe even 100,000 people or more show up for the rally. At the rally, now again, this is the next day after the meeting the night before at Trump Tower, at the rally, Donald Trump, quote, goes off script and says, we're going to march to the Capitol building. I'm going to be with you. From behind bulletproof glass. You think he thought maybe somebody in that room was in that, in that crowd was armed? You ever seen Trump standing behind bulletproof glass before? And then after he tells everybody, I'm going with you, and they all start heading down to the Capitol, what does he do? He, he slinks out from behind his bulletproof glass, jumps into his bulletproof limousine, and goes back to the bulletproof White House to watch it on television. And as the Capitol is being stormed, as people are dying, as 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 armed thugs are marching around the floor of the house yelling, where are the ballots? As somebody erects a, a, a fairly solid gallows. I mean, take, look, look close at those pictures. That thing was made out of four by fours and six by sixes. And the, the bolts were countersunk. I mean, that was put together by somebody who knew what the hell they were doing. 
with a real live hangman's noose. We still don't know who built that. We don't know what happened to it. We don't know where it went. The guy in charge of the investigation of all this, who was put in charge back during you know, the Trump administration, still hasn't held a damn press conference. And as that is going on, the then Speaker of the House of Representatives, Kevin McCarthy, calls the President of the United States and says, hey, you're in charge of the D.C. National Guard. We're under attack. They're breaking in the windows of my office. That's what Kevin McCarthy told Donald Trump. And Donald Trump, and this is in the middle of this attempt to assassinate Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi. And Donald Trump says, well, I guess they're more upset about the election than you are, Kevin. And that's been confirmed by Kevin McCarthy himself. So Trump knew what was going on. And he didn't call up his Secretary of Defense, Chris Miller, and say, hey, time to send in the National Guard now, because this was only around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The attack started at around 1 o'clock. Finally, at 4.30, the Secretary of Defense says to the Secretary of the Army, okay, you can send the National Guard in now. Because at that point, word had come out that Nancy Pelosi was safe, Mike Pence was safe, and the ballots were safe. Donald Trump's coup attempt failed. So the Secretary of Defense, Chris Miller, says to the acting head of the Army, go ahead, send the National Guard. The acting head of the Army waits another half hour to convey that to the general in charge of the National Guard, who within 20 minutes gets the National Guard down to the Capitol building. At that point, half the crowd has already left. No attempts to arrest anybody. Do you get how insane this sounds? If this had happened in any other country, we would be saying, you know, if, if this had happened, if this exact same thing had happened in uh, Canada, we would be saying Pierre Trudeau just over, tried to overthrow democracy in Canada and failed. Things like this have happened in other countries, like Hungary with Viktor Orban. There was a plan, and within the plan, there was literally a murderous conspiracy to decapitate the head of our government. And I don't get why in these hearings, I mean, they're, they're asking the questions and they're getting the answers that lay out all this stuff, but nobody is willing to say out loud what I'm saying out loud to you. And I guess it's because they want to wait until all the evidence is in, they give the benefit. I don't know. But why won't somebody just say it? This is the Tom Hartman Program. There was a conspiracy. Part of it was a meeting the night before at Trump Tower, at Trump Hotel, to kill the Speaker of the House and the Vice President. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems 
because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. It's amazing. I mean, it's just, it's just the, the, the whole thing is just amazing. Anyhow, David in San Francisco. Hey, Dave, what's up? Oh, thanks, Tom. Yeah, a couple of things. I heard you talking about the phone call to Senator Lee and passed off to Tuberville. If I remember right, that was Trump. That wasn't Rudy Giuliani. I don't know if you uh, you were aware of that, but... Uh, it may be. To, uh, okay. Yeah, I think it's Deseret News. The day after it happened, uh, uh, Senator Lee of Utah uh, contacted the Salt Lake City Times as well as the Deseret News. Oh, yeah, News. you're right. And he said he could... Yes, you're absolutely right. It was the president, yeah. Yeah, and then, of course, about a you know a couple of weeks ago when... Uh, when uh, It was Rudy who had left the voicemail here. the day before, right? Well, no, what I was leading up to was, uh, you remember at the end of the impeachment evidence, uh, Senator Lee stood up and he said, oh, it's all a lie. Take my name out of that evidence. Well, Senator Lee was the one that gave the scoop to the uh, to the Deseret News and the Salt Lake City Times. So he right. can't have it both ways. But the, the, the other thing I'm interested in is whether or not the Secret Service uh, has some evidence that they need to disclose. Um, if I remember right, in the timeline of all of this, uh, the uh, crowd had already entered the Capitol and, you know, busting the windows and carrying on while Trump was still on stage. And if yes, you remember, in the last 10 uh, minutes. The secrets, beg pardon? In the last 10 minutes. I don't know if they had actually breached the Capitol, but they had already uh, started storming the Capitol in the last 10 minutes yeah. of Trump's speech. So you would you would think that the Secret Service would have ushered him off stage, you know. It, mm -hmm. If, if uh, so, you remember the big deal during 9/11 was that all of the different types of uh, security apparatus couldn't communicate with each other. The fire department couldn't communicate with the Secret Service, and the police couldn't communicate right. with the FBI and all of this other stuff. And so you would think that in an insurrection in Washington D.C. Uh, that the uh, Secret Service would have had some notice that uh, something bad was going on at the Capitol building and they better take the president off the stage. So I would think right. that the Secret Service has got something to disclose here, too. Well, and let me add to that, David. When uh, Joe Biden became president, he and Kamala Harris asked specifically that the Secret Service agents who had been on Trump's detail not be on their detail. And right. uh, they didn't come out and say it, but the speculation in the press was that they believed that some of those Secret Service agents had been corrupted by Donald Trump. They believed his assertion that he actually won the election. 
They were personally loyal to him. They were maggot followers. And, and uh, so, you know, you, the Secret Service may well have been infiltrated, if not entirely compromised as well. I, I don't recall the, uh, the senior leadership of the Secret Service, but, you know, Trump is in charge of that, ultimately. It used to be part of the Treasury Department. Now it's part of DHS. So they, they answer now to whoever the, uh, the, the head of Homeland Security was, and that was a Trump appointee. Right. Another yeah, acting... Yeah, the thing about the Secret Service, this goes all the way back to just after the actual election of 2016, when they started having to cover Trump Towers in New York City, and they were finding all of those mobsters inside the Trump Towers. Right. Yeah, uh, David, I, I, I'm sorry, I, we're hitting a break here. I can't, I got to run, but yeah. So am I just completely missing something here? Or did we just have an attempt, a, a, a multiple assassination attempts? Five people died in the process, by the way. Let us keep acknowledging. We're getting very little information about specifically who, what, when, where. Well, maybe that's because investigations are ongoing. But hey, shouldn't you keep the, the public up to, up to date? And if the former president of the United States, or members of his family. Don Jr. was in that meeting the night before. Were involved in an attempt to overthrow the government of the United States, and within that attempt to assassinate the vice president and speaker of the House. Don't we deserve to know that? What am I missing here? Cynthia in Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, Cynthia, what's up? So I'm fascinated by your proposition on the conspiracies. Uh, it's almost hard to come up with a question because you bring up so many great points. My head is spinning. But here is it in a nutshell. I had originally called to ask about your opinion on the cross-cutting current in the Republican Party that's been brought in by Christian nationalism. It's been in place for 20 years. It's just grown to the point of where we can see its effect on the party. And the party, it's not even its effect on the party. It's just the party opens the door for this to come in to help move its votes. That being said... By the way, if I, if, I could just, if I could just amend slightly what you're saying, Cynthia, and feel free to tell me that you disagree, you know, if you think I've got this wrong, but I would not call it Christian nationalism. I would call it white Christian nationalism. This is a white movement as much as it is a Christian movement. And those two things are absolutely intertwined. And a big chunk of that Christian nationalism ideology is that black people are carrying the mark of Cain. That's their religious teaching, as it were. And many of them will be right up front about it. It's very easy to find and very easy to Google. So anyhow, back to you, Cynthia. No, perfectly put, because, you know, the, the, uh, the Calvinist backgrounds and the evangelical backgrounds of the religions that are mostly involved, who are willing to read into the Bible versus the idea that Trump is the wolf king who's here to help bring about, you know, the final restoration of Christ, is exactly based on this kind of idea that we're born into perfidy, and that if you are not born into the white or, or wealthy classes, that you are actually being damned and can't be helped, which is why they are in many cases against liberal ideology, which would help the poor. If you're poor, it's right. because you're damned. Why the heck would you help the poor? 
That being right, said, Right, it's the though, predestination and, that's at the core of John Calvin's uh, religion, Calvinism. Correct. Absolutely. And that came in with George Bush. That came in during the 90s. It was, it, it, you know, it started mm-hmm. to shift across the Reagan years. It's not about the facts. It's about your morals. It's about your character. It's about who you are. So then we elected a guy. Well, we, we kind of elected a guy named George Bush. However, he wanted to have a beer with, but probably couldn't have actually done much. And I, I don't want to bash him too much. But the point I want to get to, having brought that up, um, and my question was going to be, you know, what what do you think can happen based on the fact that now the Republican Party has drawn in this powerful contingent vote that is dragging it from left to right um, because it, it's not winning on its policies because it doesn't have any anymore. Now it has a, the ideology of Trump, sadly for them, sadly for them. The the. The question I'm going to just pose next to it, and I'd like your opinion on, is you are presenting the idea of nested conspiracies, conspiracies inside of conspiracies, inside of another conspiracy. And it's a fascinating idea, but there's always going to be an exterior motivation. So Trump, to me, is not a Republican. He's an independent. He's been acting on his own for as long as possible. He's just a um, opportunist who picks the right place to be to get the most power that he can. I would put Steve Bannon in that group. I would put Michael Flynn in that group. So what you're really looking at in this big arcing picture isn't Americans who want something. It's people who want something and they're using America to try and get it. From your point of view, if that is the case, going after this at a political level, I'm not sure that really reveals the exterior or the bigger of the conspiracies, so to speak, or the plan to take the United States and destroy it and use its assets. Yeah. I would add Roger Stone and Mike Flynn, and maybe you mentioned Mike Flynn, but um, it, it seems to me that Roger Stone is playing a massive role in all of this. But, you know, I may be wrong. So now, do you think this is—is is this coming from foreign actors? Do you have any concepts about that? It is that? being encouraged by foreign mean? actors. I mean, one of the things that we know is that during the 2016 election, a lot of the ro- the Russian bots, their principal message to black people was, "Don't bother voting for Hillary Clinton. She thinks you're a super predator." Most of the most of the bots were either saying that or they were saying the Republican and Democratic Party are the same thing. Don't even bother to vote. That was the principal thing. And not just Russian bots. I think several countries are trying to stir up racial tensions in the United States. Cynthia, I got to run. I'm sorry. Tom Hartman program. But Cynthia brings this whole idea of white Christian nationalism into this as well. There are multiple groups who just don't believe in democracy. They want to see America become a fundamentally different country. Marilyn in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Hey, Marilyn, what's up? Hi, Tom. You know, I was listening to you before, and it was strange because I had almost the exact same thoughts that you had about how this all came about. From Trump changing the uh, leadership at the Department of Defense, at the time I was wondering, what is he doing this for? He's going out of office. Why is he making these moves at the last minute? And then it began to become clear after this whole thing unfolded and what we're hearing in the testimony that they were trying to obstruct the National Guard from defending the Capitol. I mean, it it really does seem like it was a plan. I don't know if I can agree with the assassination theory that I put on the side. 
but I do believe they wanted to create chaos, stop the certification of the ballots, and declare martial law. Yeah. And it turns out this was, I've got a link here from NPR. Yeah, here it is. It was eight days after Election Day on November 11th that Mm -hmm. NPR reported that Christopher Miller had replaced Esper, Mark Esper, as the Secretary Mm -hmm. of Defense. And everybody was wondering, what? What happened with this? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, who had clashed with uh, Trump's National Security Advisor, Robert O'Brien, was replaced. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, 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 the... and then Cash the Patel, the guy who used to work with uh, Devin Nunes, uh, took the uh, chief of staff job over there. Um, you know, we don't I, don't, I don't know specifically that that's necessarily, uh, you know, some skeezy thing. But, um, you know, basically the entire senior management of the Pentagon or, or a large chunk of the senior management of the, the civilian management of the Pentagon got replaced eight days after Trump lost the election. How could that be anything other than a plan? The other thing I did want to say, though, was I had heard at least twice on television that they actually expanded the permit to include the capital at some point. I'd like to know when that happened. They and had I'm asked thinking, for permission to do so, and it was denied, or there was a was discussion denied? of it, and it wasn't put forward. It's one or the other. I frankly don't recall right now, oh, but, okay. but I can say with certainty there was no permit to march down from the Ellipse to the Capitol building. None. Okay, that would have been D.C. probably, maybe denied because they had to go through the streets. Um, in any case, I do agree with you that this was some kind of a plan. How far they wanted it to go, I think they definitely wanted to declare martial law as a result of this riot, and that's why nobody came to save the Capitol until it was hours later. Marilyn, thank you. I think something is rotten in Denmark here. I, I just, it, you know, to paraphrase Shakespeare. been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.